spelling out the myths, misinformation, and BS in the wellness industry. This is the Big Mouth Pharmacist Podcast. Here's your host, holistic pharmacist, supplement expert, Big Mouth, Dr. Neil Smoller. Broadcasting from the most famous small town in America, Woodstock, New York, this is the podcast pulling back the curtain on the natural products industry. COVID-19. I just want to say it because we might not talk about it. Well, we're going to talk about it. So I just <laughs> wanted to just say COVID-19 because I feel like we could almost do a whole episode without talking about it, but I feel like we should. So mm. um, numbers are ballooning. Who's, who's, who's shocked? Raise your hand. This is my shocked face. <laughs> uh, 19 or 20 states are reporting ballooning numbers. I believe it's Arizona that has, they're going into critical mode and their ICUs are almost filled up. Super scary. Part of the reason why we haven't been opening up our doors here at, in Woodstock is we've worked really hard to keep our case numbers. I think right now the positive cases in Woodstock are like 25 or something stupid like that. Very, very small. I don't think there's been any hospitalizations from Woodstock, and there certainly hasn't been any deaths from Woodstock. So we've been doing the good work, and I don't really want to spread this around. I'm walking around town, and I see you know it's phase two for us. Which it's an arbitrary date. Yeah, <laughs> it yep. doesn't mean that anything's going away. It just means that we've flattened the curve, which means that we have you know room for you in the ICU is really all the flattening of the curve means. So, but people are out eating their dinners, like you know, because we have a lot of outdoor restaurants, and there's a bunch of people there, and then none of them have masks on, which is frightening, right? And and that's fine because at, at a restaurant you don't really need to eat or use a mask because you're going to be eating, but it's just frightening that. You know, whether or not they're six feet apart, six feet apart is with a mask. Yeah. You know, like that's. I have gotten a lot of pushback from that stat also. People are really pissed off about that idea because they thought that six feet meant they were safe. And I was like, no, think about how small these airborne particulates are. They could go anywhere. And especially outside, the wind could take them. The six feet is reduced when it's reduced to six feet when you wear a mask. Wear a mask. Exactly. That's how it goes, yo. Yeah. So that's crazy. I kind of want to talk about the supplement industry because it's like we have this like corruption, right? Mm-hmm. In the supplement industry, it's like the systemic problem. And it's weird cuz like the media will paint it one way, like the the natural products industry is this great thing. It's, you know, it's a hero. It's the angels. I've talked about that before. And you know, here I am trying to do the right thing. You know, I'm trying to point out where the failures are, you know, mm-hmm. and point to the corruption in the industry and how like hypocritical everybody is. And, you know, when something goes wrong, what's reported is that the entire industry is corrupt. You know, yeah. the whole thing is broken. And, you know, the I think Mark Ullman was on the podcast and he said, you know, the first thing that's written about a supplement industry problem when something arises like this is the corrupt broken, unregulated natural products industry. And it's true. And you almost feel like you would, you would need to like completely restructure the industry in order for things to get better, you know? Right. And it's just, it's just a, it's just a weird thing. I was just kind of thinking about it just based on current events. So, uh, you know, whether or not I'm here, the truth is, is that the whole thing is pretty broken and we, we need some sort of inherent systemic change yeah, in order for it to move forward. So um, I think it's just important for us to be honest about that, to understand that like there is a major problem here. And as a result, people are getting hurt. Um, uh, people are getting away with murder, you know, yeah. and, 
and yeah, and it's just like we can we can try all day, but it really I really feel like we need some sort of you know change from the ins- inside. We're so, still talking about supplements, or yeah, <laughs> <Okay>. we are. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about the asymptomatic spread of coronavirus real quickly because it came up. So did you read about all that controversy? I did, and people are acting very relieved, and I'm afraid it's going to lead them to act carelessly. Right. And so it's really, really funny because there's a couple of components here. So the World Health Organization said that you can't spread the virus if you're asymptomatic, is what the headline said. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which is very different from what she actually said and what the truth is and everything like that. And so so that's the first thing that we see is like, this isn't the World Health Organization saying this. This is an article written about something that somebody said that it had a lot of nuance. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not gonna, we'll talk about like how I feel about that. And then the other side is how people are saying that you don't know who to trust because one day they say one thing and one day they say another thing. And so those are the two things I wanna talk about kind of briefly here uh, mm-hmm. because I have the ability to do that here on this podcast. You have to listen to me. So <laughs> the the idea that, of, of what the actual World Health Organization spokesperson said, okay? So almost everybody that's talking about this thing didn't listen to her words. Right. They read an article, or even worse, they just read the headline that was in their newsfeed about her words, right? And it's, again, relayed to health, obviously, because of coronavirus, but it's relayed directly to the natural products industry. Because every time there's some silly little study about something, the headline gets made into this like big, beautiful picture or this horrendous, you know, story. It's not the science and the scientific media. And that's, we had James uh, Heathers on the podcast and we were talking about all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. So she said in her science brain that (laughs) asymptomatic spread is rare, which is true because she's talking about like true asymptomatic. When she talks about asymptomatic, it's not pre-symptomatic, somebody that's about to have symptoms. It's literally the people that have had absolutely no symptoms. And she's saying that the percentage is very, very low for that because the percentage of truly asymptomatic people is really low asymptomatic as we're is being described by the rest of us and how Fauci kind of like brought everybody back into the conversation is saying the asymptomatic that we talk about is these people that have very, very mild symptoms that they kind of ignore essentially. So nobody's truly asymptomatic. Almost everybody has like a very low grade fever that they don't even realize or like some sort of symptom related to it. So she and her nerdy brain was saying very clearly that asymptomatic spread is rare because asymptomatic, true asymptomatic is, is rare itself. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's literally, if you read the words or listen to what she's saying, that's exactly what she said, but it got blown out of proportion. And then of course she quote unquote, walked it back. She clarified her statement because then that's the next thing is world health organization walks back. And then that sends another message about what she's trying to say. She didn't walk anything. She clarified and she said, this is what I meant. And then Fauci again, clarified. And then it becomes this Fauci versus the world health organization. And and the point is, is that if you if you were to not read the words that are coming out of the people's mouths, you would be swayed one way or another. If you already think that the World Health Organization sucks for whatever reason, uh, then you read that, then you're going to think it even more, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of like going right to the source and saying what is exactly that she meant. And, uh, and it's dangerous. So I will criticize the World Health Organization because they need a freaking PR person. 
right? right? They need somebody that understands how to talk to mass groups. And that's why Fauci is so good. And that's why everybody likes him is because he's got, you know, 30, 40 years of experience doing this. And he was the guy during the AIDS epidemic. So that's where you needed some really clear communication, right? And so he's been doing this for a long time. So then the other side of it is this idea that, well, you you know, don't, don't know who to trust because one day they say one thing and one day they say another thing. And that is a simplistic view of science and medicine, especially mm-hmm. with something that we haven't gone down. Here's here's a concept I want everybody's head to be blown about. Ready? Coronavirus isn't like a flu because it's actually a vascular infection. Yeah. Boom, right? So that's yeah, yeah. like, it's it's possible to have an infection that has more vascular effects than it does respiratory effects. And it just so happens that it also has a lot of respiratory effects too. But it seems based on the information that we have now that there's this overreaction of the immune system based on what's going on. And it causes a lot of cardiovascular issues, strokes, heart attacks, all of that stuff. And that's what leads to kidney failure and organ failure and everything like that. And that's what muddies the water when we talk about, um, you know, what are the coronavirus deaths? You know, well, the person had a heart attack. So yeah, but he had a heart attack because he has coronavirus, you know? So, um, and that's why I believe that the numbers are constantly being underreported because of this muddiness. But so, you know, the idea that we're holding strong onto information in a uncharted territory that is rapidly unfolding as we get more and more information, it's bonkers to me. I think that, um, you know, uh, it's like either sit it out, you know, or, or don't throw rocks at the, at the process, you know, of course, like, you know, it's like watching a movie. Of course, what you feel at the beginning of the movie is going to be different than what you feel at the end. It's like criticizing yourself at the beginning because you don't know how it's going to end. We, we don't know the whole story yet. So we have to kind of take a breather. And the, the other point here is that this person that's saying, um, you know, I don't know who to trust. You're not, reading anybody's words except for an editorialization of what the words are. Right. And you're barely even doing that. So it's it's frustrating, obviously. And like what we want from people is to chill. You know, like I know everybody's on edge. We're tired. We're fatigued. All sorts of adjectives yeah. to describe what we're going through. And and we want this to be simple and easy and, you know, virus bad drug good, you know, like that's what we want, but that's not what we get. And, you know, I've been saying this a bunch uh, recently, like it just pissed me off so much. This naturopath was making their case against pharmaceuticals and they were saying, you know, pharmaceutical drug, it's a pharmaceutical drug that has a myriad of side effects in the body. And, and I'm like, pharmaceutical drug, those words were chosen for a specific reason to elicit an effect in the reader. Why didn't you say medicine? Medicines are healing. Medicines cure diseases. Medicines are are the thing that we've been striving for. But you said pharmaceutical because it has that connotation, and drug, which has another con- connotation. So not to mention that's kind of redundant, isn't it? Of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. 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 So that's kind of tough to me off. But they were saying it for a clear cut purpose, and so the words that are chosen by these editorial papers uh, is meant to get attention, and we can't forget that this is a system that we are like pawns in. You know, and that's another reason why a lot of my articles don't have references included in them. I use references to draft them, and and in most of our 
documents, I have the references linked. So that way, if anybody's like, oh, well, what's your reference on that? I have it, but I don't put them on there because I don't want people to think that I'm like a source of truth. I'm editorializing based on my professional experience and like training what the data is saying. So I don't want people to be confused about that. So I just wanted to talk about the asymptomatic spread of COVID because, or at least the claim of that, because it was just a little bit, a little bit irritating. Okay. So another science-based podcast that I listened to, um, this is going to kind of be a non-story, but it's just something I wanted to bring up for future investigation Sure, is they were reporting on a story that they had read about how flu deaths are calculated. And the doctor who wrote this article or, or did the study or whatever, he thought about how in his like 20 or so years of practicing medicine, he hadn't actually had a patient die of the flu. And he called up all of his partners and they also had the same reaction. And so he did some investigation and the reported flu deaths turned out to be an estimation based on what the, I think it was either the CDC or maybe who assumed were flu deaths and they were never confirmed. And so I, uh, I will find this article or this report and I'll send it to you. And if it checks out, well, if it checks out, we'll put mm-hmm. it in the links. If mm-hmm. I'm wrong, then we just will forget about it. But. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's that dramatic where it's like no flu deaths are actually counted. I do think that it, there's probably more of an estimation that's involved in it. If I recall from my reading, I'm not an infectious disease guy, so I don't really know that the intimacies of it. And the I think the point that you're trying to drive home is that the numbers around COVID are wrong. Well, but, the, the numbers around both of them are wrong because mm-hmm. everyone... At first, it was a big deal that the flu kills more people, and now people who are you know put out by this are still clinging to that. And the point is, is that not only are flu deaths overreported, mm-hmm. but the likely actual number was it was something like ten thousand. Again, don't mm-hmm. quote me; I'll find the article. But you know that's in an entire year, and in a handful of months, mm-hmm. we're already at one hundred and ten thousand just reported. in this country. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. reported in this country alone. So the comparison is non-existent. Like yeah. COVID kills way more people than the flu. Mm-hmm. It's already been proven. Yeah, I mean, it speaks to the psychological defense mechanisms that are going on. Plaquenil, all of this, the masks, all of this stuff should not be a political or identity discussion. Yes. I just, I had my shrink call today before I I came on here. And I said to him how frustrating it is that the anti-mask sentiment a hundred years later is not equivalent to what it was before, but more. There Mm -hmm. is a larger percent of the population that is anti-mask because of these like libertarian values, which I hold. I'm very strongly libertarian, liberal and libertarian on that little grid. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and it's like this strong, like identity self thing. It's worse than it was a hundred years ago. And we have all of the information, all of the science, everything is in our favors and it's worse. And it is a uber frustrating time uh, yes. <laughs> because um, the idea of it being as serious or not as serious as the flu was the dismissive thing that even I said to my people downstairs when I first saw those original graphs of mostly 80-year-olds dying from this thing and then seeing at the time the estimation of the asymptomatic 
cases, right? Mm-hmm. And the mildness among uh, young people. But as the data changed, as the story was told more, we I adopted, I said, oh, Jesus, I was wrong. We don't want to get this. We're not going to spread this around. And, and it changed. And then Plaquenil, the idea that somebody would mention Plaquenil being a, an option is fine, uh, but it should be with a caveat that Plaquenil is this this potential therapy that we have to do more studies. This one piece was positive, but flawed and we need to do more research, but instead it was Plaquenil. And then there's people that have no idea about medicine still to this day, asking me why, why is governor Cuomo not allowing us to use Plaquenil and why, why, why can't I get Plaquenil to help prevent COVID? And it's like, if you've been paying attention all, which everybody has nothing to do, but pay attention, you know, Mm. uh, that's, that's an issue. So the, the, you know, and this this third piece about masks, you know, the idea that uh, your mask isn't good enough and you're only doing it to feel good. I think we have enough controlled data now to show um, that the not mask wearing is probably a bad idea. Yeah. We have countries where they all wore masks and they, they did good contact tracing and everything like that, and they're doing excellently. And then we have states that just opened up willy-nilly and they don't have masks. So now it's pretty clear. And that's why I say for us, it's 14 days. New York has been fairly responsible. If you've been out in New York, you can see how people are wearing masks. I've been to the Capital District. I've been to the Hudson Valley. I've been around all the different stores. Almost everybody's wearing a mask. People have them on the streets. Nobody's being a jerk about it, right? Mm. Um, So I think 14 days from now, because of the protests, we'll know clearly how strong of an effect the masks will have uh, and we'll know conclusively because then we can compare it against Arizona and Florida and the places where they're like, no, I'm not going to wear masks, you know? Yeah. And, and the masks only work if everybody's cooperating. So I think here we have a good chance to see what the impact is because it's like, we're not doing the Taiwan thing where we're, we're like testing everybody in contact tracing. We're just wearing the masks and yeah, like yeah. half-assing everything else. So I think we'll know again, 10 to 14 days. I said 16 days this weekend. So, uh, right. we got like 10 to 14 days before we really know, uh, what's what. So, Frustrating, right? Well, it is frustrating. Yeah, but actually, um, the, the the really big rally that we had here in Kingston mm-hmm. was a week ago. So we really only have like one more week until people right. start showing symptoms. So I, I and I'm like waited waiting with bated breath because one of my coworkers was in the mm-hmm. march, and I'm very proud of her. I was also there, but I was in mm-hmm. my car because <laughs> I was afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just, you know, like, God, I hope she doesn't get sick because it's such a good cause that she was out for, but we'll just see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was talking to my friend in Queens and I'm like, do you go any of the marches? She's like, nope, I'm there in spirit. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, no, I, her mom's older, so she doesn't want to get anybody sick. But, um, yeah, I think that the, uh, the, the next few days will be very telling to what I'll be blocking about for the next 12 weeks. Yeah. You know, like I'm, uh, today's blog was the first one that was not about coronavirus. And in fact, in my email, I'm like COVID-19, just like I did with this, yeah, like, yeah. no reason. I just, we're not talking about it. So I just want to say something. <laughs> so, um, let's talk about what I did write about because I think it is worthy of a multiple, um, front, uh, attack here. Uh, get that SEO juice going so people can find my article like they do mm-hmm. <laughs> on the internet. Um, Vital Proteins is a collagen manufacturer. Vital Proteins made a high quality product that met our standards. It followed the course of the traditional new supplement to market that's like an industry disruptor. So I want to walk you through the the journey. But the punchline is that they were just announced on the 10th to be acquired 
by Nestle. No, <laughs> not Nestle. Yeah, and we just had this happen with Garden of Life, Douglas Labs, and Pure Encapsulations. Hey. So yeah, so and Nestle, uh, it's very easy to find all of the horrible things that they've done, yeah. and it brings up a point. So I'll talk about the point, then we'll talk about the story. So when it, it comes to supplement quality, what we talk about all the time is the manufacturing. So is you know my supplement is high quality, and well how? Well we have a GMP facility, right? And whether you have a certified GMP facility or not doesn't mean that the product itself actually is made in a GMP way. You can actually have a GMP facility and then suck on a particular product and hide it. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it, just because the facility has been certified, you would hope that they would be doing stuff correctly all the time, uh, but not necessarily. Um, but manufacturing quality around the regulatory side of things is only one small component of supplement quality. There's two other components that people forget about, and I put all three together in what I call the supplement quality standard. So that's the model for saying, is this really a quality supplement? Because the second thing that you'll hear around quality is all the marketing nonsense, right? Uh, you know, um, wild crafted, <laughs> all the adjectives that hip hipsters use, right? Uh, you know, they'll they'll talk about how it's pasture raised and all of this stuff. And and the truth is, is that a lot of those claims can't be certified. They can't be like somebody can't sign off for and rubber stamp it and say that that actually happens because uh, it's messy. It's ugly. This is all we talked about it with the synthetic and natural vitamins, yeah. right? The idea that it's, oh, it's natural. Well, no, nothing is natural. <laughs> Everything's mass produced. So there's going to be some sort of chemical process in all of it. Okay. So the manufacturing and the, and the marketing claims is one portion of supplement quality. The second portion is the therapeutics. So if I have a product that is made cleanly, will it actually do anything for me? So a great example is magnesium for cramps. Your doctor says, oh, you need more magnesium for whatever reason. And he says, go to the store and get magnesium oxide. It's 400 milligrams. It'll give you a big dose of it. And it's made in a GMP facility. It's clean, no heavy metal contaminants. It's perfect, right? The problem is, is that magnesium oxide has a 5% absorption rate at best. Hmm. So if you're trying to take it to get magnesium into your body, you're not going to get any magnesium in your body right? Hmm. That stinks, right? Or if you go to the store and you want to buy a, a wonderful lion's mane mushroom, because you heard it's going to help out with your cognition, or it's going to support your nervous system, you would hope that the product that you buy that has a picture of mushrooms on the front, that set the brand's name has mushrooms in it, would actually have mushrooms in the product and would have enough of the mushrooms to do anything. But nine times out of 10 right now with mushrooms, we have no mushrooms in the bottle. In fact, it's just rice and the root system associated with the mushrooms. So there's a number of situations where you can have something made cleanly, but it won't actually do anything in your body. That's right. a problem, right? Yes. So that's the therapeutic side of things. So you need to make sure you're getting the right form, the right dose of something that's actually going to do something for you. And that last part of actually doing something for you comes from the clinical evidence, the, the data, the studies, making sure that uh, we can say that fish oil at 3000 milligrams will have this effect in your body as long as you follow the rules, right? Um, so, but the third component and the reason that we're talking about this is the ethics. We don't consider this, but we have to consider the business practices, the morals, the ethics of the brands that we're buying from. So, 
yes, you're using collagen. Are you punching the cows and tell them that you hate them every day? Or are you massaging their backs and like, uh, you know, taking them to the spa, doing their nails? Are you doing the things to that are more humane with the treatment of your animals? Are you, I don't know, starving African countries and trying to take everybody's water? Are you doing any of that stuff? Go ahead. Can I call out a mm-hmm. farm that is doing that? And I saw a very upsetting documentary about that. Oh, sure. I guess so. Yeah. Fairlife. Fairlife. They're a store brand mm-hmm. of dairy products. If you Google, um, and of course I can't remember the name of it, but there's a documentary, an expose on it. Mm-hmm. And most of the farmhands are like methed out. You see them like ripping calves away <laughs> from Tiger them. King. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. They're picking, they have the strength to pick up calves and toss them on piles in these pens. Mm-hmm. And they you know, you see them like assaulting them mm-hmm. and it, it was really upsetting. And I actually don't usually watch documentaries because uh, like that, because right. they're hard to watch. Yeah. But something about this one caught my eye, and so now I don't buy any Fairlife products. And if anyone wants to investigate that on their own, please do. Yeah, I would recommend that because I haven't seen it, so I can't really speak to it. But I know that there is a lot of uh, like atrocities that happen. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm speaking to is the idea that how we get to the product that's in the bottle that we consume needs to be considered because of the long history of all the, the different things that have gone wrong. Yeah. So, um, And that's where I believe Nestle fails. So whether or not Vital Proteins, now that it's been acquired by Nestle, will continue to have good quality stuff, that's left to be seen. Same thing with Pure Encapsulations or Garden of Life. Will they still make a manufactured quality thing? Not therapeutic quality, because I don't agree with that for most of those Garden of Life products, but then (laughs) the ethical side of things. You know, like Will they continue their manufacturing quality? Does it matter because of the ethical? And I, I say that they're even. Like We have to consider them even. So the story here is the same of all the brands that we've kicked out of our store. And again, we're, we're kicking Vital Proteins out. Basically, you know, a, a brand comes to market and they're hot, right? They're like a disruptor or they have a product that's high quality. They want to share everything with you. They want it in your store. So they're going to give you anything you ask for. Okay, I need your quality data. I want all of the information. Tell me more about your process. And they share that stuff and we get to see it and we get to talk to people and the company and such. And then they start getting everywhere, right? So they start out built in small retail stores. You know, some will do direct to consumer advertising too, so that also helps us out as they grow, they become more popular, it's easier for us to sell. But a lot of it is we're giving this product because we believe in it to our customers and they take it because they trust us, right? Yes. And so we're doing a lot of the work of the initial growth phases. And when it comes to these growth strategies, this is what People do. They start out in the smaller stores and then they shift to the bigger box stores and then the independent section becomes smaller. And then the independent guys like me have a tougher time because now somebody's buying from me the first time I convince my patients, but then they Google vital proteins and they can see that they can get it from Old Navy. I'm just kidding. But like they can get it from everywhere. That's what happened with Burt's Bees. You can get it at Old Navy. Yeah, so, yeah. so like um, they can just get it everywhere. So they then buy it at whatever place that they can get an extra 10% off or an extra 3% off or whatever it is. And they move from us. So now our recurring revenue goes away and we're the person that put it in their hands in the first place. Right. And the other dangerous part of it, and this is what I teach in supplement school, is that you know people ask me, what brands? What brands should I put in my store? What brands should I take? And I say, I'm not going to tell you that because it changes. It's dynamic. Things like this happen. People will hear, I'll say vital proteins is a good collagen, and then that will stick with somebody forever, despite the fact that all this stuff changes. Right. So then people are making decisions two years later, three years later, because Dr. Neil at one point said that vital proteins was good. And unfortunately for us in the supplement industry, we have to stay on top of all of this stuff. So 
The other thing that changes, not for most retailers, because nobody really pays attention to this crap, but for me, uh, the transparency becomes less and less. Uh, right. So we go from here's all the data, anything that you want, whenever you want it, to maybe. So I had to force my way up the ladder to have a screen share with one of the key players um, around one certificate of analysis. I had to sign a non-disclosure agreement, which I, I'll happily do. I didn't, I'm not reporting any of their information. It passed my standards. It passed obviously like their specifications. And, um, but I couldn't get a copy of it. They wouldn't give me a copy of it where they were before. Um, I did the screen share. Of course I recorded it. So that way I had a, you know, proof that I did it because I want to back up what I'm saying. And then it gets to the point where it's like, I can't even talk to anybody about it. They won't do that again. That was a one-time thing. Right. Yeah. And so it's then when I say, okay, the writing's on the wall, I know what's coming next. They're going to get bought out. Yeah. They're going to go big and they're going to get bought out. So we need something alternative. I need some transparency. If I'm going to promote a product, I need to make sure that I can prove that it is what it says it is. So it happened that one of our brands was like, hey, I got access to this really great collagen. And I think it's uh, pretty closely uh, related in quality, quote unquote, to uh, the Vital Proteins brand. So you should check it out. So we did. We vetted all the way up to the uh, raw material material supplier. Mm -hmm. And wow, lo and behold, it's pretty similar, almost identical. So, um, so we're like, all right, let's do this because now I can get access to the data. And so we launched collagen peptides as an alternative and we priced it 5% less than their products per gram. And it does really well. And some people are like, ah, oh, the taste is a little bit different or it makes it a little bit different. And that's, you know, fine. That's probably just like the processing or whatever, but there hasn't been a lot of like negatives, of course, that are like, Oh, vital proteins is better. People are like, yeah, it's pretty much the same. So, um, so now of course, when we hear this news, we go, no, duh, we knew that <laughs> this was coming and, um, and it stinks because, you know, I am all for getting bought out. If somebody said today, I will give you 10 million bucks, 5 million bucks, 2 million bucks, you know, whatever, <laughs> I might say, yeah, let's do that. And in fact, you know, part of what I would love to have happen is to get an investor, to get somebody to come in and say, what you guys are doing is great. And you've got a model here and, and what we, you need is capital. So we're going to give you some money for this. And then we're going to give your business some money. And then we want you to just go nuts, just grow this bigger. That would be the dream situation where I would re retain control. And then I could have, you know, no financial pressure personally, but then I would have also financial runway to, to really go nuts and do all the stuff that yeah. I want to do all day instead of like, you know, doing book work and all the crazy <laughs> stuff that work in the bench as a pharmacist. So I'm not against a business selling out or I guess getting bought out, right? I am against the business selling out. I think who you choose to partner, I mean, again, I say this, but then I'm like, I kind of get it. They probably got a big, big number yeah. from Nestle. And I kind of get the idea. It's like, all right, well, we did our thing. We're gone. See you later. Um, and, but, you know, you would hope that somebody would partner smarter. They would choose right. a different group. But, you know, again, I'm not going to BS anybody. Like, I get it. Like, it's probably a big, big nut. And and you take it while you can get it. So exactly. what do you think about that? Uh, it's it's disheartening, but I agree with your whole sentiment. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you just hope people do the right thing and uh, everybody has their price. You know, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the bottom line. Yeah. Cause I think literally anybody in the position wouldn't turn down that kind of capital. And probably at this point, vital proteins 
wasn't owned by the original founders anyway. Yeah. They probably already had capital brought into the business. So they probably were a small piece of the puzzle and it had more to do with those other people. I'm not too sure. I don't know about the inner workings of it, but again, I understand, like I get it. So I'm not saying that selling out is, is, you know, the ideal situation. I completely empathize, I guess, you know, yeah. and it's just frustrating. So then what ends up happening is that it falls back on our shoulders, right? So now we're here going, crap, you know, yeah. like I just found this brand. I really liked it. And here they go. And that's what I, I get a lot. So our article about the 14 mega corporations that own your supplement brands now gets to get updated with a vital protein logo next to Nestle. But, uh, but the, <sighs> so, you know, people find us through the garden of lies article and stuff where we talk about like all the misinformation around those brands. And that's, it's cool, you know, but yeah. it's frustrating. Everybody's wants to change now, like, and they'll have to go through this and do this work. And there's so much crap going on. I can't worry about this too, you know? And so I think now more than ever, <laughs> <laughs> right. And I think it's important to just understand that the attachment to specific things is part of the problem. I'm not saying that you should be willy nilly because that's another problem in the supplement industry is when people, you know, they hear some, I always say it's the last person syndrome there. I had a patient in, in West Hartford, Connecticut, who was like, oh, I heard somebody behind me in line talk about GMOs and now I don't want to do GMOs anymore. You know? And yeah. like, like, I'm like, well, that was it. That's all it took is somebody <laughs> behind you at Whole Foods that said that, you know? And so I don't, <laughs> I don't want, I don't want people to just grab on to like every trend that comes up because there's new information, nor do I want you to stay ingrained in something. There are some basic tenants to nutrition that will never change. I think like, you know, our model of holistic care, the wellness pyramid, that's pretty set. Like all of that information is good. We may add, we may change a little bit, but the model is good. Um, so, you know, attaching onto a specific brand is something that you just can't do with the supplement industry and you have to be vigilant. You have to constantly be on your guard because things are changing. So, um, so yeah, I think that this is big news. I think it's something crazy. I also will call out the fact that um, I didn't agree with some of their practices. That was another reason why I didn't want them in the store as much anymore because like, I felt like their products were good enough to recommend to people if they wanted them or if people were just shopping and they wanted a different option versus our collagen, fine. But they would do stuff like collagen is naturally heavy in lead, right? So just the way that the you know, they're eating the soil or our, our, our world is dirty anymore, right? They're eating mm -hmm. the soil, especially if they're like pasture raised, there's going to be higher lead concentrations, especially in the tissues that um, are used in production here, right? So you're going to have higher than normal lead. And in California, we have Prop 65. Prop 65 says that if you have even over a smidge, you have to put a warning label on it. So what they were doing is they were using labels for California and then different labels for everywhere else. And as a result, it looked like that their product they weren't being transparent about their product. Right? right. And I don't agree with that. I think that's not what we should be doing. We should be honest about like, I think every product should have a readout of what the, the test levels were. I think that would be the best thing for everybody. But then on the same token, everybody needs to be educated on how to read that, you know, just because it has slightly higher lead in this product doesn't mean that that's a, a, a no, uh, you know, like a, a red line here, you know, a non-starter. So, um, but yeah, so I, I didn't agree with that either. So again, moving, through the story, this is just the normal kind of thing. This has happened a billion times since we've been in business here and we've only been in business for 10 years. And it's just something that's going to happen again and again. So mm. uh, it stinks. So, um, but that's it. And I guess the, I guess the closing thought that we can talk about um, with this is the idea that supplements aren't what we think they are, right? 
And if you go down the college and rabbit hole and you start looking at like, so college and quality, some of the articles that we found, because I've been, I had uh, Avery looking into stuff like this. Um, some of the articles we found are really heavily biased against it. And a lot of them bring to light some truths, but then they, again, spin it or editorialize it. They'll talk about how collagen um, is this great, ugly process. And then they're, they're treating the animals. And even, even if it's from Brazil, for example, or Argentina, mm -hmm. where they treat cows correctly, and they normally do like grass fed stuff because of the U S influence, they've actually changed the way that they do things. So it may say pasture raised because it's in Brazil, but the U S farming methods are being used there. And they're like kind of drawing this weird picture, uh, about what collagen is and how it's actually being made. And, and even though you know, I'm saying that I know the manufacturer and this is what they're telling me. Um, they're saying that that's not correct and everything's corrupt and it's horrible and you have to be on the lookout. So the truth of the matter is, is that supplements aren't what we think they are. Yeah. Like that, we have to get over this idea that supplements are these natural things that, that when we take a protein supplement, not just, um, collagen, but any protein supplement, you have to understand that it's been processed 40, 50 times by the time you get it, right? So from milk all the way down the pike to the way protein type that you got, whether it's an isolated concentrate or whatever, it's it's been processed to kingdom come. And they've had to change the, the flavor profile to make it more or less palatable. So it's it's not the original protein at all. Everything's different. And and if we if we can just identify that and just be clearer about that, that um these things aren't this um, vision or this ideal that we have that they are. Uh, and we just accept the reality of what they are, but they can still be useful. I think that will help us navigate this all better. You know, so the idea that um, our supplements are better than anyone else is really based on the idea that we're using this criteria around the best of what we have. Right. You know, like we, we have only so much information and we can approach excellent, perfect. Right. But we'll never get there because we'll never know everything from start to finish. And then we have to have this basic assumption that while there's leaves on the bottle, <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're very far from leaves by the time you get them. So. Right. <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to talk about today since we're doing like a mishmash of stuff? Sure. Well, um, Okay, so something that has come to light over the past few months was mm -hmm. uh, on my mind because now that it's warmer and we're sweating more. Yep. Yeah, so basically I was wondering if there's anything a person can do to make their sweat less pungent. And the reason I ask that is because, you know, obviously in New York we've been home since the middle of March. Mm -hmm. And in that time I was like, well, I only live with one other person. Mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, whatever. I live with my mom. And so it's not like I was trying to impress her or anything. I mm -hmm. was like, I'm going to stop wearing deodorant, mm -hmm. let my pores clear out. And I consciously was like, let me just make sure that I really eat well mm -hmm. and, and like drink a lot of water. Also, because I was afraid of the Rona, but I was like, mm -hmm. let me just see if that changes anything mm -hmm. and like just try to take this time to get a jump on being healthy because I don't have the stress of work right. you know, like and being places. Right. And what I found was that was a load of crap and yeah. now it's hot out and I stink again. Yeah. Your pits are, are horrific. Yeah. I'm and I'm like, that. is there any amount of fruit you can eat or water you can drink or do you just smell the way you smell? There's a dirty uh, analogy that we could use, but I'm not going to use it. Um, 
I don't think that there is something that we could do there. I think that you're just going to kind of stink. And so you're also talking about the antiperspirant versus anti, like the yeah, deodorant. Well, well we so, talked about that yeah. already. So I didn't want to harp on that. Yeah. I was just wondering if like, like I, I said, so. could you, you I don't know. think so. I think that, uh, you know, you can go all natural, but I, th- but again, like there's a general stink. Everybody kind of smells the yeah. same. Uh, so it's probably just whatever it is that we're secreting that is making us kind of smell bad. So no, wear deodorant for Christ's sake. I don't know why you break my heart like this, Neil. I mean, lie to me, Neil. Well, one of the things that, uh, you know, again, I'm not going to, my role in the world isn't to freaking, you know, break out new science and stuff like that. But I guess what is it that we're trying, what you're trying to say? So like looking at what's going on in your head, you're, you're saying is that, you know, is there something that I can do to stop, some sort of natural process, I guess, or is there, it was like, how can I optimize what I'm looking at? And it's like, not everything mm-hmm. has that. Not everything has that. I think, you know, Well, I think also part of it was, you know, and obviously I didn't say this, let alone articulate it at mm-hmm. all. I, I think most people know that there's bacteria that makes, mm-hmm. that is what makes sweat smell bad. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering if a more pungent odor indicates something bad yeah, we could probably find a uh, a probiotic specialist. I wonder if Jessica would have any answers on that. Jessica, oh, yeah, yeah. I could ask her, but uh, yeah, I mean, but finding a probiotic that would be selective for that, and then the subjective nature of smelly and <laughs> and, right. and what that would be would be difficult to prove. But yeah, I think that uh, you are just going to stink, and you're going to have to put on deodorant. I'm sorry. Oh, God damn. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, and I mean, we just did the guide to spring because I feel like you know we missed it due to COVID being much more important. I know, we put it out like 20 days before summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so summer's coming, and so sunblock time. Um, I guess I also want to touch on the idea of Lyme disease. We have a mm. number of articles about Lyme disease, and the most important thing that we have to understand about Lyme disease when it comes to this is that um, there's an infection and there's a convalescence period. So the infection sucks. It goes into nerves, it goes into muscle tissues, it goes into joints. It, it's, it's, a, it's a beast to, to treat. But we have good options, doxycycline, penicillin. They work, they're effective. And some people may need different drugs. Some people may need multiple drugs. Some people may need even IV antibiotics to, to treat it. But once you're, you've been treated, for all intents and purposes, it's, it's done, right? And mm. so there is a period, though, after where you're just not going to feel like yourself. And it's in that period that the natural products industry kind of swoops in like vultures and tries to sell you a million different products when it's really not necessary. Um, it's the analogy that I, it's like you break your leg and it's not like you get your cast off and then you can run a 5K. You've got to heal, right? Yeah. And so the same thing is going on with a Lyme disease infection. So in that period, after you're done with your antibiotics, until you start to feel better, you're going to feel like crap, like joint pain and mu- muscle pain. And so they'll start throwing a bunch of different um like ineffective, to be quite honest with you, uh, products that you a lot of time would be herbs and herbs, you know, plants just generally have anti-inflammatory compounds in them. So if you take, you know, it's like uh, the straw that breaks the camel's back, it, it's synergistic. So all the little anti-inflammatory effects of all these different products all together will make you kind of feel a little bit better. It's not because these things have some sort of magic antiviral or antimicrobial properties in your body and it's killing the stuff. Mm. It's just because you're taking a bunch of herbs that potentially have you know, together a pronounced anti-inflammatory effect. So it makes you feel better. In fact, we know antibiotics do that. We know that if you take an antibiotic, they have anti-inflammatory effects because they're helping your immune system clear out inflammation. 
Mm. You know, so it's that's how they work. So when people say, "Well, I need to take the antibiotics because I feel better on them," or "I need to take this regimen because I feel better," it's because of the anti-inflammatory effects. So, I mean, theoretically, you could use Advil. Aches and pains uh, would potentially go away to the same degree, um, right. you know, and make people feel better. So, what we normally recommend people do is really take a timeout before they jump into the Lyme disease and tick-borne illness. Um, I guess zoo, uh, because it is a zoo. There's a lot of conflicting information. There's a lot of really smart people that, um, know a lot about these tick-borne illnesses and they have very strong opinions. And then there's the, again, the vultures. So it's just a hard place to navigate. So what I would recommend is that you look at that wellness pyramid and say, okay, I'm going through a phase of convalescence for an extended period of time, because it's not just a week or two, like a normal cold. It could be a year, could be longer than that. So so you have to do your best to get rid of all the variables that could potentially make you feel worse. So are you eating correctly? Are you sleeping? Are you exercising as much as you can? How is your environment and how's your stress? Those things, if you can address those things, that can take away a lot of the problems. I see people that are suffering from, you know, this post Lyme disease convalescence period, mm. but they're eating like crap. You know, it's not helping you. I know it's comfort food, but it's not helping your, your cause. Vital five, omega three collagen, these and probiotics, even these all help with inflammatory picture of the body, right? Vitamin D we know, right? All of that stuff. And then you can use individual supplements, but you have to use them better than what these practitioners are telling you to use them as they'd say, take 15 different, you know, you come in, you get your consult, you spend a thousand bucks and here's 10 supplements. That's not how you take supplements. Take one at a time or maybe two and then measure the effect. What is your expectations? And, and at what time should I see those expectations? Wait, and then see. And if it does right. something, then you know it's worth it and or you can optimize the dose. Make sure you're taking the right dose. And just use it a little bit more strategically. And um, so my biggest thing is I just don't want people to get ripped off. I don't want people to have false hope. I want people to get good advice. And I want you to use supplements when they're appropriate, but you have to use them strategically and you have to, uh, they have to be appropriate. So um, so just be careful uh, because you know we're already seeing a million doxycycline prescriptions around here because that's what goes on. And, um, so I know it's on the upswing. So I guess what we can do is we can talk about sunblock and another point, because that's really the, the second part to the whole thing, because I think I've rambled on enough. So. Yeah, man. It's like, uh, almost, almost an, an hour. hour. Yeah. yeah. I got one more story to tell. Oh, do tell. I got blood pressure, high blood pressure. Do ya? Mm -hmm. Yep. That's so no good. I finished up COVID without getting the disease, but I have high blood pressure. So, what I'm going to do on our blog and what I'm going to do over the next, you know, 20 weeks or so is to talk about how, uh, you know, a, a medical uh, diagnosis uh, that I believe is preventable at this stage of the game, mm -hmm. how I process it and how I handle it and how I use the wellness pyramid to get to a better point. Uh, and one of the, the clearest picture, uh, one of the most important points, I think, at the beginning here is for people to know that. It's not that I'm anti-drug. Yep. I'm obviously pro-drug when it's necessary. I just only want to use them if my risks are high enough. So if I go to the doctor today, which I'm going today, and we do all the blood work, and we say he says, yeah, you actually have something. We need to get it under control. I'm going to take the medicine, but I'm also going to do all the stuff to try to make it so I don't need the medicine for that long. 
So that's the kind of step one is like, okay, we got it. I got to go to the doctor, get a professional opinion, make sure that my body's all set. It's not just this blood pressure and then make that decision. Do I need therapy now, drug therapy now, or can I delay it and do all the stuff that I need to do? So I've been uh, eating healthy. I'm not going to say dieting because I just eat like garbage. <laughs> like I ate so much this weekend that I wasn't hungry until like Wednesday this week. So I'm like, wow, I eat too much. I got to, I got to slow it down. So um, so yeah, salads every day, every meal, lots of vegetables and fruits and just my normal, you know, nutritional stuff that I do. Yeah. I've got a jar of peanut butter here and some fruit. So that's what I'm doing. So, uh, I'll like let that out as the teaser and then we'll, we'll go over time and kind of check in on the progress here. So awesome. All right. Yes. All right. And that's it. So until next time, keep listening, keep learning and be well. Bye.